Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show today. Everybody that's listening around the world, if you're listening on podcast or live via iHeartRadio or here locally in Vero Beach, we have a special treat for those of you here in Vero Beach with Maureen Burkhart from the VNA Music Therapy Program. I'm so excited to have her here today because here's the question we're going to be asking. Can music soothe the soul? Can it heal the body and the mind? And how does it do that? And Maureen actually brought her guitar today. So she's going to share some of that with her, with us. And Maureen, you know, I've, I'm part of Impact 100, which is how you and I met because the VNA won a $100,000 grant from us to create the program that you're doing. What has it meant for you in the community to actually be implementing this program? Uh, for me personally? Yeah, for you personally. Well, it's it's kind of a dream come true because I'm, when I moved to Vero Beach, it was to follow my husband. Um, and as a music therapist, when I came here, nobody knew what music therapy was. There were no jobs for it. Um, and not only were there no jobs, but people had never heard of it. And so it was a struggle at first. So I had to take a job doing something else, but with a population that I love. So I did a program coordinator job. Uh, at a memory care facility. And after about a year of networking, getting to know the community and doing some education, I branched out and did a private practice on my own. And I, and I love that, but I've always wanted to work in hospice. And it took me a while, and I believe everything happens when it's supposed to happen for a reason. But I finally got um, to meet the right person that made that happen for me, and Impact made it possible for us to fund it and really make a wonderful program that has all of the necessary tools we need as far as instruments and equipment to make it a high-quality program for the patients and families. Um, so for me, it was an opportunity for not only a dream job, dream job of music therapy and hospice of what I wanted to do for a great company, but also to expose the community to music therapy. I mean, you have a degree in music therapy. I yes. never even knew there was such a thing. You have a voice that should be recorded and should be on the oh. air all the time. I mean, when you were just doing sound checks, Shane was like, okay, shut the CD off. Let's get the real person in. And he was probably only maybe a third kidding. Um, what is it about music that can heal? I think, you know, from birth, our lives are kind of shaped through music. So we kind of write a storyline through music in our lives. So a song can take us back to a place a memory, and even a feeling. And for that reason, it's a very powerful tool in the, how it can affect us emotionally, but also the fact that music is a language. It's a form of communication. So it's another great outlet for helping those who can't communicate, maybe verbally, express themselves. And physically, music affects us. And the more and more research continues to come out to show how music can affect our heartbeat, our brain waves, our walking patterns, and music therapists use all of this knowledge to help create interventions to help people with clinical needs. How do you come up with the piece of music that you need to help a particular person? I know you work with the Parkinson's groups to help them move by using music to help them get the rhythms. You work with cancer patients to help soothe them, Alzheimer's patients. How do you pick it? And will you share something with us, piece of music? Sure. Um, music is... is chosen based on a lot of factors. One, musical preference of the patient. 
is a big factor. But then also what your goal is. So maybe it's I'll be playing a song they never heard of before, but for the purpose of the lyrics are a powerful way to open up discussion for something that they need to talk about. Or possibly if it's like the group I do with people with Parkinson's, our goal is to help improve their walk. And so the tempo of the song needs to match the natural tempo of their walk. And then the brain naturally um, syncs up to that, that rhythm and it gives a predictable cue of when to step. So the music for that is mainly chosen based on tempo. So it varies based on what your needs are and what the goals are of the patient. Okay, so you said the music with the tempo, but in a Parkinson's patient, the brain is sort of broken Mm -hmm. in terms of creating that rhythm for them. And each Parkinson's patient has a slightly different rhythm of walk. So So there's a phenomenon known as entrainment, where two rhythmic beings, it doesn't even have to be living beings, it can be two grandfather clocks, Two rhythmic beings seek to sync naturally. So if you put two uh, metronomes or a grandfather clock, pe- grandfather clock on a pendulum swinging at different times, they will start to sync and swing together within minutes. Um, and wow. It's, it's a crazy phenomenon that they can't quite explain. But we as humans are rhythmic. So if you think about our breathing, our brain waves, our, um, our walk is all rhythmic. And so our bodies naturally want to sync up to external rhythms. It's why a lot of people run to music because it keeps them at a consistent pace just naturally. Um, and so with people with Parkinson's, where the brain is damaged, the music provides a predictable cue. They don't come up with the tempo or the music. I'm providing that, and it's consistent. It's 100% accurate because we use a metronome. And it gives the brain a cue on when to step. And by providing that predictable cue, it actually almost instantly improves the fluency and balance of their walk. So you're repairing, in a way, what is not, what is no longer working in the brain by providing an external source to bridge that. Yes, yes. And, and music, is that's why it's effective with any neurologic condition, is because it activates a part of the brain that can still function and help with other parts that may not be working as well. Oh, I love that. Can you, can you give us an example? Of a song? Yeah, of a song. Something um, that you, you've been using or that you know has been helpful, say for an Alzheimer's patient. Sure. Um, I often play this, this song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, for many reasons. Uh, one, it brings back good memories, and it's a song from 1939, so it's often um, great for people... Um, often the age that I work with, but also it's a song that can be interpreted in different ways. I once had a patient tell me that to them over the rainbow was heaven. And for somebody else, it was escaping from the place or the situation that they were in. It was a dreamland. And so I I like that music can be interpreted differently for everybody. But I'll just play a little bit of um, beginning of that song. Okay, great. Some Where over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I've heard of. Skies are blue 
For anybody that was driving your car, I'm sorry if you veered off the road because I don't know about you, but that just totally calmed my whole being. And it's a song I love, but the way you did it was very different. And, you know, it's it's interesting. That you, I'm glad you said that because that's what makes a music therapist so unique to us versus like a music volunteer. We're trained to be very attentive to how the patients physically and emotionally are responding to a song. And we can adjust the music according to their needs. So especially with a patient with dementia, if they start to show any overstimulation or negative response from the music, we can adapt and change it, whereas a a volunteer musician might not not have that acuity to see that. They're just going to play a song the way they've always played a song. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Um, And we can, you know, and the the great thing about live music versus recorded music and what music therapists bring to the table is that the ability to adjust the tempo, the dynamic, the feel of the song – for example, I often play I'll Fly Away, which is typically kind of a up-tempo type song. Warm, bright morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. But if then I'm working with a patient who is, is literally transitioning into death and it's a very calm atmosphere and we're trying to create this soothing, comforting space for the family and the patient, then the song can be adapted. One bright morning When this life is over I'll fly away And just having that ability to adapt the music to meet the patient's needs is is very important. Okay, so the first time you sang I'll Fly Away, the piece you sang, I was uplifted. I was thinking about all the possibilities and all the things I can accomplish because of who I am and God in my life and and the world and possibility. And the second time you sang it, I wanted to cry because I was thinking about my mom passing. Amazing, the difference. Same words, same song. But such a different feel. Such a different feel. And I never really realized that before until you just demonstrated it so clearly at that moment so thank you and i'm very glad that we're going to be going into commercial break right now so i can (laughs) gather myself a little bit and shane in the production booth is laughing (laughs) i think he had the same reaction so yeah he's got tears in his eyes too we'll be right back with more from the amazing maureen burkhart now maureen before the last break we got to see a perfect example in my mind's eye of how the same song can affect different emotions in you and bring up different thought patterns. Now you just recently completed a neurologic music therapy, you became a neurologic music therapist. How is that different than just, you know, we talked about people performing music and coming in. How do you get trained to know these different things? And I'm thinking that a lot of it's just innate in who you are. Um, I think Good music therapists are personable. They like working with people and are attentive to people's feelings and emotions naturally, yes. Um, but you kind of have to go back to what did, 
board certified music therapist education is, and then neurologic music therapy is a specialization. Okay. So to become a board certified music therapist, you go to school. It's a Bachelor of Science, a four-year degree, and you're trained very heavily in psychology, medicine, and music. So, And the big thing about that is not only are you musically able to provide these interventions, but you're able to focus 100% on the patient and not the music. Um, And so you have that background. You have to complete 1,200 clinical supervised hours, pass the national board exam, and then do continuing education credits. And then what I also have is on top of that is specialization tra- specialized training neurologic music therapy, which focuses on neurologic conditions, how music affects the brain, and how we can utilize that knowledge to create interventions to help people with neurologic conditions. So we talked a little bit about the Parkinson's. My dad had Parkinson's. And when I started thinking about what you're saying, I can see how when he would get stuck moving or the shuffle would happen, or even perhaps his vocal patterns when he was having trouble getting words out, how music would have helped that. How did somebody discover this? Do you know how it all came together? Well, music as a form of being therapeutic in itself has been written about since Plato and Aristotle. So the knowledge that music affects us has been known for forever. I believe the first research began in the 1800s, about how music affects us. And then what, how the field of music therapy started was in after the war, musician volunteers went in and played for the veterans. And they very quickly realized how beneficial it was for them. And hospitals started asking to hire musicians for in the hospital to help with their patients. But then it also became very aware that they weren't trained well enough to understand what was happening with the patient and they needed more training. And that's when the first program was developed in Michigan in, the, in 1944, I believe. Um, And since then, now there's over 72 colleges and universities in the U.S. that offer music therapy programs. There's over 6,800 board-certified music therapists in the U.S., and it's just growing every year. It it just amazes me because I know when I'm trying to focus and get work done, sometimes I can listen to music and other times I can't. Why, Why is that? Is it just I'm picking the wrong music? At the times that it isn't working for me? You mean you're trying to use music to help you focus? To help me focus or like if I'm feeling really stressed out when I'm trying to get a project done and I'm yes. thinking music would help me, a lot of times it doesn't. Is it? Is there a selection kind of thought process you have to go through? Um, I think that's to each their own. Like for me personally, I can't listen to music and do other things. Like some, I know some people love to study with music on Um I mean, I like music in the background if I'm doing a craft or something, but music is so in my forefront that I I focus on it too much. So for you, maybe it's choosing music that you know the words to, that um, you listen to often, that can probably pull your attention towards the music rather than the task that you're trying to do. Okay. Um, And so maybe the best suggestion, if you do enjoy listening to music while you're doing things to help you focus, try listening to instrumental, not vocal music. Um... Like, my husband often listens to a Pandora station called Music While Studying, and it's just, it's all the music you might know, but it's in a classical format, and so it doesn't distract you as much. It's still the music you enjoy, but it's in a completely different format. Okay, so is it using things like alpha waves and and delta waves and theta waves in certain ways to do that? No, not at all. I, I think it's everybody's so unique in how music affects them that it's impossible to say this one type of music is going to work for you. 
you just have to experiment on your own and see what music is is the best. Like I, I knew somebody who heavy metal was the music that helped them relax, which to me is the complete opposite. Complete opposite. Uh, my husband loves techno to get him in a zone and focused. That will make me crabby. Techno music makes me crabby. Like I get in a bad mood. So yeah. everybody is individual and unique. There's no way to say this one music is going to work for you. And that's you got to be cautious because there's a lot of websites out there that say incorrectly they misrepresent they say the term music therapy it's not and they'll say buy this cd it's gonna cure everything it's not there's no one music for healing there's no one music for curing um and there's no one music for all you know one type of music might help this person but not this so it's really get a board certified music therapist to help you or experiment with the music you love and find which best works for you and the best way to figure out if something's working or not is what especially well, if you're it working on with... what your goals are okay what you're using the music for so for like pain management for example music is a very effective tool for pain management um and you might have to experiment a little bit about what music that is that that brings the most comfort to you but typically for pain management music is a form of distraction and it can release dopamine in the brain which is a natural pain inhibitor so typically what i suggest to people to start off with for pain is familiar music that they love that's more slower tempo, moderate, um, dynamic, not too loud, and start with that. An example of a song for somebody who has no clue what those music terms are you were just talking about? Um, well, then it's hard to say because what decade was your favorite music? You know? Okay. Um, you know, for me, for me, it's Jason Mraz music, but I'm 30 years old, so I don't know. For someone, it might be Frank Sinatra music. Um, but try to avoid those big dynamic changes, which just means the volume gets really loud all of a sudden. Okay. Um, and Frank Sinatra tends to have a lot of music that does that. Yes, he does. Um, classical music also does that a lot. So people often ask me, oh, doesn't Mozart help babies? No, it doesn't help babies. All music is good for babies because it stimulates them cognitively. But classical often can be overstimulating because it has such dynamic changes in the tempo, in the sound, in the volume. And those dynamic changes can be overstimulating for an infant that's not quite introduced to all these sensory. I, I happen to like um, Sarah McLaughlin. Yes. And, yeah, she's great. Um, Enya mm-hmm. and uh, Cusco and, and those. I find that kind of music sort of takes me into a different place. Even Gregorian chant for yes. me is yeah. just a beautiful rhythmic kind and of thing. And I think for a lot of people that's the case, but not for all. And that's that's the thing. You need to figure out what works best for you. Okay. So say um, somebody at home, and I know a number of my, my listeners do have um, their caretaking for a family that has Alzheimer's or dementias. What are some of the things they need to be thinking about with music therapy in that situation? Sure. So if you're trying to use music with your loved one with dementia to maybe elevate their mood or um, calm them during sundowning time. Some things I recommend is... Explain sundowning. Sundowning um, is typically in the late afternoons where someone with dementia starts to become more behavioral and agitated, and it's part of the the disease, and it's not really explained very well why this happens, but it does very frequently. Um, And so often music can be used to help calm them initially before it or during it, and then also elevate their mood. Um, sometimes people say to me, well, why, why would I get music therapy for them if they don't remember it tomorrow? They remember the feeling. They might not remember who I am or what we did together, but the feeling stays with them. Um, and so for people trying to use music in the home, I usually suggest create an atmosphere that's less distracting, turn the TV off, don't have anything else going on, 
and really get it so that they're just focused on the music and use music typically from their teenage or 20s years. So if they were born in 1950, then use the 60s and 70s type music. Um, that, that will bring back the most comfort memories because it's those long-term memories that stick with people, dementia, not the short-term, the longest. So for my mom, who was born in 1929, she her biggest memories are Big Band and Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra and Dean Martin and Doris Day. Doris Day and, and I love listening because I grew up listening to it. So for me, it throws me back so to you, childhood. Yeah, it so. brings back memories of your mom. So it's not always the teenage 20 years, whatever the music, and that's, it's individual to each. Okay. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to be speaking more with Maureen Burkhart about how you can use music to help yourself and your loved ones, whether they have dementia or Parkinson's or, you know, autistic Um, children often need this kind of therapy. So we'll be talking with Maureen about that. And um, Maureen, can you just play a few notes to take us out? Wise men say Only fools Maureen, you you took us out to a beautiful song that just has always been in my life as long as I can remember it. How many songs do you know (laughs) or need to know to to do this kind of work? I don't have a count. Um, I guarantee it's over five or six hours worth of nonstop music. Because I have to, music therapists have to be able to at least play, if they can't play the song you request, at least a song that's by the same artist or genre of music. So I, I probably know quite a few songs from every decade, every genre, um, and it's constantly growing. My repertoire, every time a patient requests something I don't know, I'm learning it. So my repertoire is nonstop growing. Now, and do- I have an iPod, too. So if I don't know a song but I'm familiar with it, I can look up the chords and play it for them. Once again, new technology steps in <laughs> to save the day. During the the news break, we were talking about, and for those of you listening on podcasts, you don't know about news breaks. You just go right in because we cut all that stuff out so you don't have to listen to it. So thank you for staying with us. Um, you were talking about how a lot of music therapists or a number of music therapists tend to leave the the music therapy because they don't get to, they don't really perform and they need that expression. But for you... What's so powerful is the one-on-one, and that's what you love the most. Why, why is that? Um, I, I just I am very much a people person, and I feel purpose out of what I do because I'm helping. It's not just entertaining people, though it is entertaining 99% of the time. It's still entertaining. But being able to, to hear somebody say... Um, you brought peace at the end of their life. Or to hear someone say, um, wow, my dad never said I love you, and somehow you got him to express himself to say that to us. Um, Or when I was able to record a little girl's heartbeat for her mother when the little girl was passing away. Um, And that's what gives me drive and purpose and what I love about what I do is to be able to help people. More than performing and just entertaining and making people happy. It's about healing. How did you discover that that's what your purpose is? That's who you are inside? Because I have a lot of listeners that struggle with that. Um, 
Well, I went to school first for music technology, recording studio live sound. And mostly that was because I loved music and just wanted to be a part of being able to do music for a living. I wanted music in my life every day. And that was the only feel I really knew of besides being a performer. And, and I just didn't have the heart quite for that. Um, so I wanted to be in the industry. And my psychology, I got a psychology minor because I loved the topic, the subject. Had I known how much I loved it, I probably would have majored in it. Um, but it was my psychology professor that actually introduced the field of music therapy to me. I had no idea. I'd never heard of it before. And he said, you know, I know you have a love for music, but you also really do well in psychology and like psychology. Did you know there's a field that combines the two? And as soon as I found that out, I did finish my degree because I didn't have much left to do that. But I went right back to school for music therapy because I knew that was my calling. It was being able to work with people, help people, but all through music. It was the perfect, perfect calling for me. So it was like a gut feeling and all these things coincided to bring it all together. But to step into that, when you thought you were going to go in one direction, what were you asking yourself to say, no, this is what I want to be doing? Um, it was just kind of comparing the two. I mean, a music tech degree is a lot of computer time, um, a lot of behind a desk, and it wasn't a bad thing, but it's a very tough field as well to make a career out of, especially for women. And I already kind of, at that point, was knowing that it wasn't my passion. Um, I didn't have my whole heart into it, as I did for my psychology courses. I actually enjoyed studying for those, whereas I didn't for my music tech courses. Right. Um, and so after he told me about the field, he made me do all my projects based on music therapy from then on out. And the more I learned about it, the more I knew it was right for me. I love that. So for everybody, for those of you listening to this portion of the podcast, what I want you to think about is how, if you're not happy with one aspect of what you're doing, how you can merge your passions together to create something like Maureen has. And I mean, Maureen affects people on a daily, daily basis. I mean, I'm already feeling completely different today just from the music you've sang. And you didn't know anything that was going on with me, but obviously you felt it. So it was perfect that you picked those pieces of music. Um, autism, is is that something that really music therapy can help a, a lot with? I mean, I know people who have autistic children, and the way they describe it is they can't seem to get through whatever chatter is going on into their child's brain to help them. Yeah. How can music therapy help an autistic child? And if somebody doesn't have access to a you, mm-hmm. how do they start figuring that out at home? Um, okay, so I'm not a complete expert in working with children with special needs, but the work that I've done and the experiences that I've had, music therapy for children specifically with autism is in just unbelievably effective because of the way music is processed in the brain. So even just recently they had research that showed a child with autism and then a normally developed child, when they listen to their parents talk, different parts of the brain become activated. And then when they listen to music, it's the complete opposite effect. So the child with autism, the part of the brain where the normal child, when they listen to their parents, is activated. When they listen to music, that's the part of the brain that activates for them. So there's this natural connection already for children with autism they show in the brain and how they respond to it very differently than anything else. Um, And then 
you got to think of music as a form of communication. So children with autism who might not be able to communicate as well, this might be their way to express themselves and build their communication skills. Music is also motivating, so it's very fun for the child, and they might not realize they're working on their goals, but they're working on their behavioral or educational um, goals through music. It also works on fine and gross motor skills, so teaching a child piano can help improve their fine motor skills. It helps with high hand-eye coordination. When you have them hitting a drum, they have to focus on where they're swinging the stick. Um, it's amazing. So for people who want music therapy for their child with special needs and there's no music therapist around, I recommend one of my closest friends' websites, RhythmTree.com, because he posts video blogs of work he does with children with special needs and gives you tips on how to do it at home. RhythmTree.com? RhythmTree.com. TheRhythmTree.com. Okay, TheRhythmTree.com. And um, if not that, then see if there's a music therapist in your area. You can go to musictherapy.org, which is our national website, and find a music therapist in your area. And if all else fails, become an advocate for music therapy. Do your research. Find out how it can help your child and talk to your schools. Because if the school can put, if the school puts music therapy on the IEP of the child. What's the IEP? Um... I'm forgetting what it stands for right now, but basically it's their plan of care for okay. how to approach them academically and behaviorally. And you can have speech therapy and physical therapy on it. And then the school pays for it. So if you can get music therapy on the child's IEP to work on their academic skills, then the school helps fund it. Um, and I keep telling the schools around here, there's so many public schools, they could all work together to hire one contract music therapist to work with their children. And that way the parents wouldn't have to pay out of pocket. We need to bring more music therapists here. There's so many people who could benefit. Sounds like we need to uh, get another Impact 100 grant I know, we do. <laughs> application filled out to get that happening and get some more music it's, therapists. It's unbelievable. In. Music therapists work in hospitals. We work in rehabilitation facilities. And look how many rehab facilities are in this town alone. Um, and we work and then with, multiply that around the world with my listeners. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's just if you don't have music therapists in your area, start advocating because it is a growing field and more and more people are realizing how beneficial it is can music therapy be done in group settings or does yes. it really okay so mm -hmm. how does that work because you were talking about with your one-on-ones you can sort of sense if somebody's getting agitated and you can immediately change it when you're in a group setting how does that play out you still have to adapt to their needs um, if you see them becoming overstimulated it's very you have to be sensitive to that but um, it depends on what your goals are. So for if you're working with children with autism, your goals might be social skills, and working in a group is the best setting for that because you're introducing different aspects of being social, boundaries, and all that. Um, having a group setting is ideal. Uh, if I'm working with people with Parkinson's, our group might be a vocal intonation type group where you're working on strengthening vocal cords and you're singing. So, again, it seems like it's fun and it's like a choir, but really you're working on strengthening your vocal cords, doing vocal exercises and the diaphragm and the lungs, um, but as a group. Okay, and how about at, because I know you do work with the Senior Resource Association here in town at the adult daycare and, and different things like that, right, I believe? I'm at Alsen Park mostly. Um, okay. I'd love to do more, but the problem is time. Well, there's only one you. There's only one <laughs> me here right now. I want more music therapists, but. So somebody at home, we talk with a, pa a parent with Alzheimer's or dementia or a loved one because sometimes Alzheimer's hits young um, and they're trying to pick out music. You talked about the decades or whatever. If they notice that the music they've picked is, say, making somebody more anxious, what are some thoughts that they should be thinking about to pick a different kind of music if they're not musically inclined? Yes. Um, I would 
Well, turn off the music right away. I mean, if you notice that the music's causing agitation and overstimulation, turn the music off, desensitize, make it calm and quiet in the area, in the space. Um, For people with dementia, 90% of the time music works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the way their brain was affected, music is not going to trigger any good feelings or emotions. Maybe it's the way their brain's processing the audio and it doesn't sound the same anymore. So be really attentive to how the music makes them feel and respond. And maybe later, once they've calmed down, try a different type of music. So maybe it was you played a rock and roll song from their past. This time, maybe play a more classical, soothing type of song, maybe a WC song or something. Um, and experiment that way, but give them time to calm down, desensitize, and redirect them to a new activity. Redirection is always great. You know, it's funny with what you were saying. I hadn't thought about, well, just shut it off because their brain, no matter what you pick, may not be able to interpret it. I think that's really important for all of us with anything because if you're doing something and you know you you think it should be good for you, but it's not working, then it may not be right for you. And it's okay to say, this isn't working. I've tried different ways. Yes. And that's important rules for life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Not just music therapy. Yeah, we have to be very, as a whole, everybody needs to be more attentive to that. What's right for you is not necessarily right for somebody else. What works for you, feels good for you, does not always feel good for somebody else. All right. So we're going into our last commercial break, and we'll be more back with more from Maureen Burkhardt. It's part about the show for me, Maureen. <laughs> it's too short. It's <laughs> by really fast. <laughs> yeah, we're in our, we're in our last segment now, and I could think of thirty billion more questions to to ask you. Um, I want to make sure you share how people can reach out to you. Yeah, um, I I'm more than happy to talk to anybody who wants to learn more about music therapy, or maybe they want me to come out and talk about music therapy. Um, but you can email me at M Burkhardt, so it's M B U R K A R T at V N A T C dot com. So um, say that one more time. Sure. Email is M B U R K A R T at V N A T C dot com. And Maureen has extended if, you know, you're not in the Vero Beach area, but you have some questions and you're not sure where to go. She said, just email her and she'd be happy to point you in a direction, give you a piece of advice or suggestion. She's that kind of person, everybody, since my listeners are all around the world, not just here in Vero Beach. But if you are in Vero Beach, really reach out and figure out how you can get me. This is my my plea, okay? I'm pleading out here now <laughs> to the local people in Vero Beach and everywhere out in the community. Find a way to get music therapy into your community. We've heard a little few pieces of Maureen performing today, and you heard how it infected, impacted me. Um, so just figure it out. We got we to gotta make this something that's everywhere. Now, Maureen, music for you is part of your genetic makeup. I think it's a good way to describe it. It it is in you, but not everybody has that <laughs> that rhythm, that ability to play the guitar or sing in a way that can be translated. How do you work with somebody like with the Parkinson's group to get people to be willing to sing or participate in the music therapy when they've got this idea in their mind that they can't do that? Well, I always try to explain to people, you don't have to have any musical ability to benefit from music therapy. For one, there's that entrainment where our bodies just naturally want to sync up. So it takes no effort. It's just natural. 
Um, but for as far as singing, when people tell me, oh, I can't sing, usually the first thing I say is, it's not about how good you sound. It's about how good it makes you feel. And that sometimes can break the barrier of them not wanting to sing in front of me. Good lesson for a lot of other areas in life, too. Yeah. It's not about how it sounds. It's about how it makes you feel inside. And then if it needs some more, like my, my group I do with Parkinson's, um, if we have to sing as a group, if I want them to sing as a group, which can be intimidating, sometimes I have them close their eyes while we do it. And then it's less aware of who's singing what, and you can just actually be present and, and sing. So, I mean, whatever barriers you need to break down, it's it's not, a, again, about how good you sound. And I'm never going to judge you. I'm going to judge you on how much effort you give and how much you're willing to open up, not about how good you sound musically. For an Alzheimer or dementia patient, does music tend to have a deeper impact for them because they're lost more in their um, their brain can't put to put regular patterns together with their memories. So does music cut through that? It's so with dementia, the brain's affected differently for each person, where it's affected and how it's affected, how quickly it's affected. Music is the one activity we participate in that activates every part of the brain. And so for this reason, that's why it's often so effective with people with dementia, because it's in one or another part of their brain. So if the language center is damaged and they can no longer speak, I've had patients with dementia who can sing, but they can't talk anymore. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And um, so where one area of the brain is damaged, the other part retrieves the music and is able to bring back. I like to see it as, you know, if they can't always explain it to me, but I like to see it as in a world that's so scary and unknown and unfamiliar to them, music is something that's familiar and can instantly bring comfort because of how it affects the brain. Is it different if somebody is hearing you in person when you do your one-on-one versus a recording? Very different. How? I think when it's live versus recorded, we're more present to what's what we're hearing. It's a, a very different feel as well. Um, I think I, I kind of do believe in energy, and being able to hear somebody live is very different than just listening to a recording of it. And not only that, often they'll play recorded music in nursing homes, and that's good because it can create a calming atmosphere, but often the music becomes habituated and in the background, and they're not focused on it. And so you can't achieve as much when the music's just playing in the background as opposed to a live um, interaction. What about if it had a video component to it? Again, with someone with dementia, who knows how the brain's processing what they see in that video, and it becomes passive. You're not interacting. You're not engaging them in discussion and adapting to what their needs are with recorded music. So when you go and you're doing a one-on-one with somebody with Alzheimer's, it's not just you singing. You're actually having conversations. Sometimes. What does a typical music therapy session look like? Uh-huh. It's near impossible to answer that. <laughs> um, I when, knew you were going to say that. When working with someone with dementia, though, it depends on how advanced they are. Um, but if they're not very like I for okay for example I have a patient right now who talks mostly what we call word salad where they can say words but they come out in the wrong order or the incorrect word will come out and they're trying to express themselves that way after a 30 minute session with this patient their speech is improved cognitively because of the way their brain was stimulated and they're able to more simplify answer their questions and I can even sometimes get them to reminisce a little bit um, just because of how it stimulated them cognitively. Uh, but for someone who's not as advanced with dementia, they can hold a conversation. They, they know who, that there's a person in front of them, and the music triggers memories for them. 
I had a patient who is pretty advanced, but she can still hold the conversation, and she was able to recall the exact year of her wedding when I played her wedding song. Oh, wow. So that must have brought up a it lot all of those things memories. for her. Yeah, and images. I mean, images instantly can come to our to our mind when we hear a certain song. Are family members typically present? I encourage it. They aren't always present. Sometimes, I'm, you know, if I'm going to a nursing home, the family's not there. But in the home, I always encourage participation because it could be part of the goal to increase bonding and positive experiences between the caregiver and the patient. Well, last thought you'd like to leave the audience with before I have you take us out with some music. Um, music therapy is very heavily research-based. It is a professional field, and it can make the difference in your loved one's care, whether it be a child with autism, in the infants in the NICU, or in hospice. And it's just very important that people are open to holistic approaches because it might work for somebody when nothing else will. I love that. And um, musictherapy.org is a site you can go it's to to help you site. find it. Mm-hmm. The Rhythm Tree. The Rhythm Tree.com is my friend who has a lot of videos with kids with special needs, and he even has a, a starter pack you can purchase to help you work with your children. That's awesome. And M. Burkhart at vnatc.com to find out more for Maureen. Um, I'm going to have Maureen play a song to take us out for the rest of the show. I'm so grateful you were here today and have shared you with us because. That is what makes this show what it is. Okay. Hopefully we shift some people's perspectives today and brought some new knowledge to them. And remember, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? And here is Maureen. All right. I end my, usually my dementia groups with this song because it's positive, uplifting, but not too overstimulating. Well, we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we're traveling Singing a song side by side Well, we don't know what's coming tomorrow Maybe it's trouble and sorrow But we're traveling along Singing a song side by You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 